Do I have a volunteer to open? Somebody? Fern? So hopefully I studied for the right one this time, <laughs> unlike last time. Uh, so um, we made it up to footnote 14 last time in 8.3. So let's read 8.3 again, and then we'll start at 14. The Lord Jesus, in his human nature, united this way to the divine in the person of the Son, was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit beyond measure. He had in himself all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The Father was pleased to make all fullness dwell in him, so that being holy, harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth, he was thoroughly qualified to carry out the office of mediator and guarantor. He did not take this office upon himself, but was called to it by his Father, who put all power and judgment in his hand and commanded him to carry them out. So we'll start with the sentence, he had in himself all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Does someone have Colossians 2.3? And then Colossians 1.29 would be next. Well, let's add verse 2 to Colossians 2, 3. So let's Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3. Colossians 2, yeah, sure. So here we, we see more guardrails being put up so that we don't stray into uh, heresy. So that Jesus, even though he was fully hu human, did not lose any wisdom and knowledge. How these two interact, natures interact with each other is beyond our, our comprehensive comprehension. But we need to acknowledge that he still had full knowledge of everything as God. But even though he still had to learn his ABCs. Any questions on that? Yes. That's a mad question. <laughs> yeah. Unless someone else has the answer on that one. Yeah, we'll have to. I'm I'm not familiar how to deal with that. So, sure.
And I think that's probably part of it, you know, as, as a, on his human side, he would not have known the day or the hour. But God being united in the Trinity, he would know that part, right? So... Anything else on that uh, he had in himself all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? Okay, the next piece is, the Father was pleased to make all fullness dwell in him. Who had Colossians 119? basically word for word what the the catechism says so um so he didn't stop being fully grown while he was on earth and certainly didn't stop being fully god while in the grave right so any other questions with the father was pleased to make all fullness dwell in him hey next sentence is so that being holy, harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth. That's the next piece. And uh, Hebrews 7, verse 26. And then John 1, 14. That's John 1, 14. Howard, okay. Steve? Questions or comments on that? Yep. Be part of it because it says that um, in the text it said that he had all knowledge, right? He never, never gave up any knowledge. So if you know everything, then part of you would know it but the human side wouldn't know it, right? That would be the part where it says, um, the verse says that, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So so definitely part of him had to know that. It's possible, I, I don't. I don't have the answer for that, so unless Keith has an answer for that. No. Nope. <laughs> the Matthew 24 part where it says that, um, um, what's that say again? Um, that only the Father knows the day or the hour. comment was is <laughs> so I said it was a Matt question <laughs> yeah Yeah, there's there's several times that the the Bible uses the word day, the day of the Lord, right? And that could have been the day of the 
Lord is when Jerusalem was destroyed or the final judgment day, right? There's, there's lots of times where the Bible talks about the day of the Lord. Yeah, that passage walks back and forth between end times and Jerusalem being destroyed. And yeah, earlier in 24, right, it talks about being this generation. Yeah, that's right. But toward the end of 24, it talks about the, the uh, in verse 31, it switches over to the final judgment. Yeah, so Jesus would have been around, yeah, it would have been that generation, and that would have been the destruction of Jerusalem. of judgment on a nation yeah Well, Jesus never stopped being God, so that part of him would have known everything. He would have had the fullness of wisdom and knowledge, but his earthly side needed to learn the ABCs and how to count and his timetables and everything else, right? And how those two interact with each other, that's beyond our understanding. Andrew. That explains it well. So anything else on that? Let's move on to the sentence about the uh, he being qualified to carry out the office of mediator and guarantor. So Hebrews 7.22 
And let's actually read from 21 through 24. Hebrews 7, 21 through 24. Somebody? Hang on. So, uh, because Jesus is a priest forever, he is able to guarantee this covenant because he has proved himself that to be uh, a possessor of indestructible resurrection life and no one else can make this claim of himself or herself. Any other comments, questions on that? came under the law and, and yet fulfilled the law and, f- and was the final sacrifice to wrap up all sacrifices. Okay, the next one is, sentence is, he did not take this office upon himself, but was called to it by his father. And let's read Hebrews 5, 4, and 5. And then let's add uh, Philemon 2, 5 through 8. It's not in the footnotes, but uh, 2, 5 through 8. I've got it. Let each of you... Look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross." Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, Philippians, which means I do have the wrong verse. Sorry. I think it's supposed to be Philemon. Somebody have that? then it's not that one. Okay. I messed up on that one. Okay. So any questions about he did not take this office upon himself but was called to it by his father. So it's covenant of redemption. And the covenant of redemption is somebody Ty, you took this last time. Covenant of redemption. It's the covenant between the Godhead. And that covenant would be the uh, eternal agreement in the Godhead, which the Father appointed the Son to be incarnate, suffer and die as a federal head, 
of mankind to make atonement for, atonement for their sin. In return, the Father promised to raise Christ from the dead, glorify him, and give him a people. So, And we'll get more into this in the next one here because it talks about Jesus was willing to undertake that office. So and It kind of ties into the one we just did where he did not take this office upon himself but was called to it by the Father. Then let's take the last sentence up to footnote 20. Who put all power and judgment in his hand and commanded him to carry them out. And there we have John 5, 22 and verse 27, Matthew 28, 18 and Acts 2, verse 36. Who's got the first one? John 5, hang on. And then Matthew 28, 18. Great Commission. Kevin, Acts 2, 36. Howard? Okay. Hang on. questions on that it's pretty straightforward that God has given him all power and judgment commanded him to carry them out any other questions on 8.3 before we move on to 8.4 eight, 8.4 the Lord Jesus most willingly undertook this office to discharge it. He was born under the law and perfectly fulfilled it. He also experienced the punishment that we deserved and that we should have endured and suffered. He was made sin and a curse for us. He endured extremely heavy sorrows in his soul and extremely painful sufferings in his body. He was crucified and died and remained in this state of death, yet his body did not decay. On the third day he rose from the dead with the same body in which he suffered. In this body he also ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of his Father, interceding. He will return to judge men and angels at the end of the age. So up to uh, footnote 21, the Lord Jesus most willingly undertook this office. And there's uh, three passages there. Psalm 40, verse 7. Hebrews 10, 5 through, or yeah, Hebrews 10, 5 through 10. Somebody have Hebrews 10, 5 through 10? Nathan's got it. And then John 10 through 18. Okay, Keith's got that. Okay, let's start with uh, Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8. So it's a prophecy. Hebrews 10, 5 through 10, Nathan.
John 10, 18. Jesus willingly undertook this office, and I think all three passages point that out to us. There is, there is this thought out there, it comes from atheists and liberal Christians, and it has part to do with penal atonement. And uh, it's this thought that if, of cosmic child abuse. I don't know if anybody's heard that term before. And it's like the father forced the son into him and abused him just to make... You know, so he didn't take out his wrath on people, but took it out on his son. And uh, this definitely pushes against that. It's, Jesus was part of that plan of redemption, that covenant of redemption. And I think there's there's some stories out there, some examples that churches have used that that make people believe that Jesus was abused by his father to, to suffer. And, and one of those stories is... Um, I don't know if anybody's heard this one about the railroad conductor. And it, it goes like this. There once was a, a bridge operator who had a young son whom he loved dearly. They were inseparable. The young boy often asked to go with his father to watch him work, to watch him raise and lower the drawbridge, allowing boats to pass under or passenger trains to cross over. One day the father relented and allowed his son to come with him. Stay here at a safe distance, the father warned the boy while I go and raise the bridge for the coming boat. The boy stayed where his father had left him and watched the bridge as it slowly lifted into the sky. Suddenly, the boy heard the faint cry of an approaching passenger train coming quite a bit sooner than he had expected. The father up in the control room could neither hear the whistle of the train nor the warning, of his, warning cry of his son. The boy saw the train racing closer and closer. He started to run along the platform to reach his father. Knowing there was a lever he could pull near the opening gears of the bridge, the boy ran to the door of the platform and tried to lower himself to reach the lever. Losing his balance, he fell into where the gears came together and was caught. At the same time, the father saw his son fall down into the hole in the platform. He saw the fast-approaching train. In horror, he realized he didn't, if he didn't start lowering the bridge immediately, it would, it would not be down in time for the train to pass safely. The train would crash into the river, killing hundreds of innocent people. This man was faced with an unimaginable dilemma, race to save his son at the cost of hundreds of lives or sacrifice his son to save the passengers on the train. He made the only choice he could and pulled the lever to lower the bridge. So when you hear a story like this, it makes you think, that the son was unwilling and he was just got caught up in the mechanisms of cosmic stuff. You know, like, I had to do this, but in reality, the son agreed to this back and before eternity as a willing partner, not someone who got caught into it and killed just to make, keep the father happy to save people. So it's... Exactly. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, there's lots of youth pastors and people out there that use this story, and it's really tainted our view on penal atonement. And exactly. And yeah, and if they really want to ramp it up, they talk about the father having to watch the train go by while people were drinking and smoking and gambling on the train knowing that he just saved, saved all their lives at the cost of his son, but it really skews the plan of redemption and penal sacrifice, or penal atonement.
Yeah, and it, when 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 you know they, they have great ideas behind stories like this, but it really skews people's understanding, and we need to watch out for this stuff. So. And we have that example when Abraham and Isaac, right? You know. So, yeah, there's a bit of a tension there, right, between the covenant redemption, which was taken on in eternity past, and then also Jesus being willing to submit to his Father on the cross. But it did end that by saying, your will be done, right? So he still submitted. So. Yeah, we pray your will be done, right? Even though we we have our wish. Anything else on that? Yeah, everything is to to the glory of his name. Okay, the next sentence. 
it's it's out there though, right? And 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 liberal churches use it to play on emotions and get these one-time commitments and bring people to tears. Yeah, there's, there's trouble all through that stuff, but it it leaves us with it. It makes impressions on us that this kind of stuff is going on, right? It's this cosmic child abuse, and and Jesus wasn't willing. So, Okay, let's read up to footnote 22. To discharge it, he was born under the law. So Galatians 4.4. Matthew 3.15. Howard? Kevin? Born under the law. What does that mean? So if he didn't experience, he can't redeem it? Yeah, he couldn't wrap up the whole ceremonial law if he didn't fulfill it first and then become the, the sacrifice himself, right? Okay. And then perfectly fulfilled it. He also experienced the punishment that we deserved and that we should have endured and suffered. Galatians 3.13 Isaiah 53, 6. Vern. 1 Peter 3, 18. Ty, Tyson. Okay, Keith. back into this penal substitution stuff. Any comments on Christ's sacrifice? Him enduring everything that 
we should have endured. Yeah, for a father and a son who were so perfectly united, to have the father turn his face away from him would have been... It's amazing how many of these Old Testament rules, laws, and prophecies were fulfilled by the Pharisees unwittingly when, you know, when they make a comment that better that one man should die for the nation than the whole nation perish, right? And all these little things like, you know, needs to be taken down off that tree the, the day that he was hung or, or um, had to happen that same day to keep the sin out of the camp, right? It's, it's amazing how often the Pharisees just in God's sovereign plan, fulfilled a lot of prophecies. Was mm-hmm. well, his whole life would have been suffered to a point, right? All the steps of humiliation, all the way down to the the cross, right? So that would have the 
the beatings he would have had for Pontius Pilate, the suffering he did under Pontius Pilate was also part of the of his being cursed and suffering for us. His whole life, to a certain extent, being in an earthly body, right? Is is that what you're getting at, or am I missing that? Going back to the demonic stuff, you still have to remember they were God's, God's Satan and God's demons, right? So they're doing exactly what the Father would have them do, right? So. Yeah, I was reading somewhere the other day that the whipping alone could kill a lot of people. Just the whipping alone, and then you add the the thorns, and those weren't little little tiny thorns; those are big thorn bushes. So it was all all suffering. The cross was just part of the suffering, not all the suffering. So. Okay, let's go up to uh, footnote 24. He was made sin and a curse for us. Who's got 2 Corinthians 5.21? Okay. So there's that two-sided thing. He gave us his righteousness. He gives us his righteousness, and he became sin for us, right? Double imputation. Okay, let's, um, any other questions before we wrap this up?
We have Matt here. He can answer that one question for us now. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful that you gave us wise men who, a um, long time ago who wrote down this stuff and put it into this, into this book. We're thankful for the wisdom and knowledge you gave them and that uh, they're able to give guidance to us even hundreds of years later. We ask that uh, you would be with us this, uh, in the next service here. We ask that we would honor and glorify you and that, we would do it, um, that you would keep us from sin. This we pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.